Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DOUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up? It's the Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Happy Tiger Woods Day to you. Tiger Woods back on the course in Torrey Pines where we were yesterday. And uh, guys, I believe we hit it out of the park. Uh, I do. I believe we hit it completely out of the park. That's because... Uh, yesterday, we had a Chamber of Commerce Day. You guys know what the, the Chamber of Commerce Day, for those of you who don't know the expression. Ramos, you know what the Chamber of Commerce Day is expression-wise, right? Everybody's involved? No, no, no. <laughs> okay, good, that's not good. it then, I guess. There are, there are no wrong answers, only answers that, uh, well, technically would be wrong. That's one of them. <laughs> um, what about you, music? Do you want to go? Do you want to take a shot? Nope. Take a swing at what a Chamber of Commerce Day is? No idea. Okay. Okay. Buyer knows what it is because Buyer's a golfer. He understands what it, this is a Chamber of Commerce Day. Y- yes, Buyer, you know what that is? No response. Hmm. Oh, he's busy. He's do- doing work. 
He works. The rest of us are like, oh, we're just having fun. Uh, a Chamber of Commerce thing is basically like, look, if you're going to make a sale on why you should do business in a town or uh, what like the, the picturesque perfect day for a town is, right? They call that a Chamber of Commerce day. Usually it's, you know, in a place to which the weather's not great. Like I was in Connecticut for... Was it twelve of the past fourteen years? You wake up on like like early May. It could be all sorts of weather, but it's beautiful, crisp. No rain, no clouds, no smog, no hog. Mama cooked the breakfast with, with no hog, whatever, no fog. Um, and you're like, wow, this is a perfect day. And somebody says it's a Chamber of Commerce day, meaning this is the day to which you're like every day is like this, even though it's not. So we nailed it in terms of weather. The weather not as good down at Torrey today, uh, but we'll get you an update half past every hour. Dan Byer, who's uh, uh, feverishly, feverishly uh, taking down notes and watching Tiger Woods play. We'll update you. Seth Joyner, a Super Bowl champion and a former Eagle, is going to join us at 20 after the hour. Danny Shelton from the Browns is going to join us. Drew Bledsoe will join us. Brian Billick will join us. We have a loaded, jam-packed show. Um, boy, some uninteresting and fun things going down in Cleveland. As they Remember, they lost to the Spurs, half of the Spurs. Going back two nights ago, we've discussed a bunch, but now there's there's more stuff coming out. More, yes, more. More is apparently more. Um, the Low Post podcast, that's uh, Zach Lowe's podcast, had Brian Windhorst on it. Brian Windhorst had this to say in regards to how LeBron's feeling. What's really pissing LeBron off is that he felt like the Cavs could have gotten Paul George and Eric Bledsoe, and they didn't get him. I'm just telling you, LeBron is there, and he's like... We could have had Eric Bledsoe and Paul George. And instead, we have a draft pick who I'm never going to meet. And we have Isaiah Thomas, who is very clearly hampered. And we have Jay Crowder, who's having the worst year of his career. Um, so, look, they, they got duped in a trade with the Boston Celtics. He thought they could have gotten Paul George. He wishes they could have gotten Eric Bledsoe. And they got none of them. And, and look, here's the problem with... LeBron, he's taking kind of a fanboy approach. He's taking kind of the same approach. He's having the problem that my kids have. Uh, do you guys know what FOMO is? FOMO is fear of missing out. And that kids these, kids these days, among the problems they have, they have a severe case of FOMO. So what I was told at the end of last year, my kid, my girls graduated fifth grade last year, middle school in most places is now sixth, seventh, eighth. When I was in school it was just seventh and eighth, but middle school is sixth, seventh and eighth. And I was against the phone. I just was, I was against the phone because it's like, they already have iPads. You know, if they're at the house, you have Wi-Fi. If you're out somewhere, you have Wi-Fi. And my wife's like, you know, they have to have a phone because now there's middle school. There's no drop off and pick up times. Like, you kind of got to do it your damn self. And I was like, well, or we can just give them a phone. Um, we can just give them a phone for whenever they deem, uh, for, for, you know, whenever they're going to be somewhere where they need to be picked up. Um, there's the, the law of unintended consequences is you kind of try and plan out the pluses and minuses to a phone. Our pluses are, are, you know, you have a phone. I can always text my kids when I'm on the road. I, I text them. I FaceTime with them. I connect with them. Uh, the good to it is that we've moved across the country a couple of times and doing so they're still interconnected with their friends in Connecticut. They have friends, uh, that they've made from camp that are all over the country. They have family in Oklahoma. And having a phone is you're having your own personal property. And, you know, kids don't write 
net letters to each other these days. They simply send each other texts. So they may be able to keep up. But the, the unintended negative consequences of having a phone are this. FOMO. FOMO. Yes, kids can communicate with one another. Be on group text. My, my daughter was t- uh, studying for her final last night. And pretty much her entire, it felt like her entire sixth grade, sixth grade class was on a group text and they're all going through what they need to study. It's great. There's also um, an app that is um, a house party. A house party app is like, I think you can have five different people on like a, a group video chat. That's great. Here's the problem. What if you're the sixth person? Or what if you're the person not on the group chat? Or what if you're the person, and my daughter does this, where you're on Instagram and you look on Instagram, you're following one of your friends and your friend is having another friend over and they're having the greatest time ever and you weren't called, you weren't invited, right? Fear of missing out. You're like, man, all these people are doing all this fun stuff and here I am just a dope staring at my phone waiting for them to call me and they didn't call me. So it's one of those deals to where you're like, we almost want to take away the phone so that they're artificially disconnected from everybody else. And yeah, they may wonder what's going on, but at least they don't see what's going on. LeBron James has this problem. Has this problem. Paul George should be an all-star, is having all-star caliber year, seems to be having a pretty good time, and they seem to be figuring each other out in Oklahoma City. And so he's sitting there going like, wait, we could have made a trade for Paul George and we didn't. And look at the mooks that I got. We could have made a trade for Eric Bledsoe and I got Isaiah Thomas. Well, what are we doing? Keep in mind that every story you read says that the Pacers were going to trade Paul George to the Cavs, but Pacers ownership stepped in and like, dude, we're not giving away. We're not giving away Paul George to a team in our division. Like, no way. Paul George wants to go somewhere in the West, fine. If he wants to go to California, fine. We're not, we're not trading him in division. And oh yeah, by the way, people crushed the Paul George trade for what the Indiana got back in return. They got two starters in return. Indiana actually did really well in that trade. And there's nothing that the Cavs could have offered that, that measures up to Victor Oladipo and Domas Sabonis. But LeBron's sitting there staring at his Instagram going like, oh, Paul George is having a good time and I'm not. Eric Bledsoe's having a good time and I'm not. Man, I got Isaiah Thomas and I got these and I have Kevin Love playing center and this is not so good. LeBron James is suffering from the exact same thing that many Americans suffer when they use social media. Fear of missing out. He feels like he's missing out on two players that would fit what he wants to do, would make their season better, would make their team better in terms of competing, not just in the East, but also with the Golden State Warriors. And, you know, had he been able to save David Griffin, the former GM, or maybe uh, push Kobe Altman, the, the new GM, into these deals. Forget about the fact that, you know, again, the Pacers weren't trading Paul George to the Cavs. Weren't going to happen. Why would we do that? Forget about that for a second. Even if it's not a realistic proposal, just the idea that, and this is no different than my kid looking at the phone, like, look, we had to move to California. This is part of the job. So you may miss your two friends in Connecticut having a party and having a great time and going to 
and going to have ice uh, ice cream down the street and going to a movie and doing all the things that you guys used to do. But the reality of it is we weren't staying there. We just weren't. It wasn't going to happen. But what happens is in an effort, social media has this thing to where we think that we're taking snapshots of reality. Same thing with reality TV. We think it's, but it's really an artificial reality that we create so other people think we're cooler than we are. And I think that like right now, LeBron is, boy, Paul George, he's having a great time. Man, look at how good a teammate. Forget about the fact that Paul George isn't staying in Oklahoma City. He's still going to the Lakers. Right? And forget about the fact that, that, that yeah, he could have had Eric could have had Eric Bledsoe, but would have killed him in the cap. And if you're going to play Eric Bledsoe, that means other dudes are sitting. There'd still be an amount of unhappiness. And oh, yeah, by the way, Bledsoe's new coach just got fired, too. So, you know, it's not like Eric Bledsoe is some sort of godsend. The problem is that LeBron is dealing with the with that that FOMO issue to which your the artificial reality that others portray becomes your reality because you fear you're missing out. You feel jilted. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Seth Joyner is a Super Bowl champion, NFL analyst for NBC Sports Philly and FS1. He joins us now on the Doug Gottlieb Show. And um, Seth, I want to talk about this defense, but uh, what, what happened to Nick Foles? Foles went from a competent starter, you know, turned back up to a guy who for a couple of weeks looked totally lost in this Eagles offense. And then the, the confidence that they showed in him and he showed in them to make some of the stay in the pocket, keep his eyes downfield, make some of those throws Sunday. Was there a schematic change? What happened with the Eagles offense that suddenly became explosive again? Well, first of all, I got to say, you, you, you really, you like that track you came back from out of break, huh? No doubt. No doubt. I had I had the I had I had one ear on the headphones. Uh, then I had my other two hands scratching up the records. I thought you'd appreciate that. Oh, that's sweet, sweet. I thought you was one of those um, computer DJs. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, no, what um, happened? What happened to Foles? Like all he was, you know, he was he was good for a while with the Eagles. Then he went and obviously went to Jeff Fisher's. Uh, he, he stunk with Jeff Fisher. Was a backup. Threw four throw touchdowns his first uh, first start, but then he was he was bad for a couple weeks. Now all of a sudden he's good again. What gives? Well, I think what Doug Peterson did, you know, he talked about in the bye week, going back and looking, pulling all the film from you know 2013 when he had a great year, 27 touchdowns, two picks um, under Chip, Chip Kelly, and just trying to find some similarities in, you know, what they were doing and what they have in, in, in Doug's playbook and just trying to find some plays that, that makes Nick comfortable. Um, I think Doug quickly realized, you know, after the last, you know, two and a half games of the season is that he could no longer call plays for Carson for, for Nick Foles the way he called for Carson Wentz. He had to alter his game plan. So give him a lot of credit for that. Um, and, you know, Nick felt comfortable, but obviously, you know, they saw some areas in which, you know, they could attack. And, um, you know, you, you look at right before the half, the out and up by Zertz on um, Harrison Smith. You know, that from a coaching standpoint, you know that Harrison Smith is a, is a guy that's willing to take chances uh, to make big plays. So when they run the out route, um, they know that if they turn it up right now, that Harrison's going to be peeking back trying to intercept the out route, and it worked to perfection. You know, so, I mean, 
it was just some things that, you know, you could see schematically that they did uh, to take advantage of Minnesota. But I think ultimately it came down to Doug Peterson, Frank Wright, and uh, John Filippo just making the decision to go back and try to find things that, that um, Nick Foles would be comfortable with, knowing that he'd have success with those things. Seth Joyner joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right, let's get to this defense, uh, one that, that has rattled just about everybody outside outside um, of a couple teams they've played against. Um, they're underdogs, five-point underdogs heading into the game, but it, it feels like this is the perfect style of defense that could rattle Tom Brady, right? Like, is that a, That's not a crazy statement to make, is it? No, I think from a total team perspective, is this team this team is, is supremely built uh, to defeat a New England Patriots team, and that's not you know Homer sentiment or any of that kind of stuff. When you look at it from a, a schematical standpoint, you know teams who have had success against Tom Brady are teams that are able to get pressure with that with their down four and um, and and drop seven in the coverage behind. Um, listen, you're not going to trick Tom Brady, you know, by getting into a blitz or trying to disguise a blitz and come late. Um, you're going to have to, you know, mix up some of the things that you do because you're not going to be able to, to cover him. But ultimately, you know, just like the Broncos in the AFC Championship two years ago and the, and the New York Giants in, back in two, two, two Super Bowl victories, you know, you got to get to Tom and you got to get him, get to him quick. You got to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. You got to make him move his feet. You got to get him off his spot. And every once in a while, you got to get there to make him feel uncomfortable and rushed in the pocket. And this team is built to do that across the board. Seth Joyner joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. Yeah. It it feels like that's the, that's the perfect. What about Brady? If um, I mean, outside of getting pressure on him with four, um, at, you know, w- what are your thoughts on on how you how you manage uh, the problem that is Tom Brady? Well, listen, to this you know, Tom that de- that offense is built to take advantage of you know what you give them. You know, so from a defensive perspective, you almost have to reverse scout yourself to understand and figure out where your weaknesses are and understand how it is that he's going to attack you in certain defenses. Because they don't, they're not looking for big plays down the field. They want to methodically matriculate the ball down the field. He wants three yards here, four yards here, five yards there. You know, if they get into a first and fifteen or a first and twenty because of a, um, a a first down penalty, you know, he'll come out and throw it on first down. He's trying to get half of it, get half of it back, and then get half of it back on second down to get in a more manageable third down situation. The, the, the trick to beating. To beating them is trying to figure out how you can get them behind the chain. Um, the other thing is, you know, they they wait. You know, they methodically execute their game plan until they get you doing something that's out of character for yourself defensively, make you do some things that you might not necessarily want to do because you feel like you got to make a play, making making you succumb to the pressure that they're constantly putting you under, and then they take their shot down the field with Gronk down the seam or, or Brandon Cooks, you know, on a stop and go. Uh, for a big play or Hogan on a, on a big play down the field. But other than that, they're going to keep the game right there in front of you. They just want to move the chains, move the chains, move the chains, and, um, and force you to do something that's completely out of character, and then they attack. Seth Joyner joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. So I take it you think the Eagles are going to win? I, I, listen, I believe that they can win because, you know, I, let, let me give you this stat, Doug. You know, the most 
most offenses, the, the offenses in the NFL, they average anywhere between 11 and 12 possessions a game. Um, the Eagles' last two games, the divisional and the NFC Championship game, the Falcons got nine possessions. The um, Minnesota Vikings got nine possessions. The way that the Eagles are going to beat this team is they've got to put together a string of drives. They've got to run the ball. They've got to run the clock. They've got to shorten the game. They've got to keep Tom Brady on the sideline as much as they can and minimize the amount of possessions that you give him. Because the more he sees your defense, the more he begins to break you down, the more, he, more, more opportunities he has to beat you. Um, this, this defense, this offense, rather, this Philadelphia offense, along with this defense, they can do that. They can run the football. They can move the chains. They can eat clock. The last two games, they've had three to four long drives double-digit play drives that ate up monumental time on the clock. That's what they have to do. And if they can do that offensively, they can control the flow of the game offensively and get Tom Brady to march down the field and, yeah, kick a couple of field goals, a couple of three-and-outs, a touchdown here or there. They got to, I, I think that they better than any other team in the NFL, special teams, defense, and offensively, this team is built to beat and take down Tom Brady and the New England Patriots if they do it the right way. Now, if they get pass happy, if they could get predictable in what they're doing, this defense is really, in my opinion, is not that very good, that, that good of New England. You know, they'll figure out a way to beat you. But if you can keep them off balance and offensively, if you can just run the football and just eat some clock and minimize the amount of possessions that you give Tom Brady right. over a 60-minute game, You've got a great opportunity to win this game. And I don't, I'm not saying just win it. I'm saying beat them. Yep. Seth Joyner. Uh, Seth, great stuff. Look forward to seeing you in uh, the Twin Cities. Of course, Seth works as an analyst for NBC Sports Philly and Fox Sports 1. Seth, thanks so much for joining us. All good, Doug. Have a good one, man. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Cleveland.com, which is the Cleveland Plain Dealers online website, covers all of Northeast Ohio. It goes into the story from uh, Joe Varden from Cleveland.com. As the Cavs try and uh, save their season and, and search through potential trades, um, the big one they pulled off last summer doesn't look so good right now. The Celtics lead the Cavs by six and a half games. The Cavs are just two-tenths of a percentage point behind Sacramento for the league's worst defense. Cleveland starters Isaiah Thomas uh, with, uh, starters with Isaiah Thomas are being outscored by an average of 22.8 points per 100 possessions in eight games. It's a small sample size, but that's still a big number. Jay Crowder is headed to the bench. Team has lost 11 of 15. And the defense is the NBA's worst in that stretch, giving up 114 points per 100 possessions. Oh, and the Brooklyn Nets have the seventh worst record, so that number one pick has only a 4.3% chance of being the number one overall pick as of now. Yee. Uh, but why do they feel compelled to trade Kyrie Irving in the first place? This again from Joe Varden of Cleveland.com. Kyrie Irving's desire and request to leave the Cavs last summer is well-documented. Wanting to leave LeBron James' shadow, the culture James dominated in Cleveland, upset that David Griffin was gone, and miffed that the Cavs considered trading him to Indiana for Paul George. Irving asked Dan Gilbert to trade him. Gilbert didn't have to honor the request, though, as Irving had two years left in his contract. According to multiple sources, Irving threatened to sit out the season and have surgery on his knee, convincing Gilbert and the Cleveland 
Cavaliers front office that the relationship with Irving was not salvageable. His agent declined to discuss what was said to the Cavs, and Gilbert did not personally respond to a request seeking comment. The Cavs do not regret trading Irving because he didn't want to be there, nor do they regret trading in the Boston and otherwise refusing to address the past they have now maximized this season and the future. That's interesting. Interesting. Um, that Kyrie wanted out so bad that he was willing to, I mean, this is basically willing to pull a Carson Palmer. Remember, Carson Palmer threatened to and then did retire when they wouldn't offer his trade request. And the knee surgery is, is that's a clever one, right? Because no one can question you when you have knee surgery unless you don't really need knee surgery or you just need something to be cleaned up. I love, by the way, that uh, that there's multiple sources. Yet you know, when they called Cleveland for comment, they didn't want to comment. Of course, it's made to make them look good, right? That's this is Cleveland defending itself from its own flawed moves in trades that they've made. What a dumpster fire that is in Cleveland. And now, of course, Dan Gilbert wants to sell, sell high. My only question is: Cleveland losing all this money in luxury tax hell in order to make a move for. Any of these players, it's going to cost them more in terms of luxury tax. Is this the time where LeBron James somehow works his way into becoming the first ever player owner? It's always been, that's always been my thought, right? Is that the way in which LeBron uh, extracts ultimate revenge from Dan Gilbert was to buy and run his team? The problem is that, that how, do you, how do you evaluate the value of Dan Gilbert's team? Like, that's a hard one. Like, whatever the Cavs are worth now, you know, over a billion dollars because they have LeBron James, the value cuts substantially if and when he leaves. I mean, this is the ultimate sell-high moment, isn't it? Like, hey, we got LeBron. Like, you might not have him next year. Like, or you might. If I leave, you might get to keep him. Wouldn't that be crazy? Um. But, you know, LeBron's people have always talked about how he's worth, you know, three commas. If he's worth into the billions, then this is a this is a move that he can make. He can get a group together. It's never happened before. It may not really happen anyway. But wouldn't that wouldn't that be the way in which it could happen? Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It's such an expensive uh, an expensive undertaking. Now, look, I think there's there's two possible theories on this on on why you do it because you're going to lose money doing. It. It's like it's like when people run for president. Until Trump won, lots of people ran for president who had no chance of winning. But there's got to be something in the tax code that makes it makes it make sense for you to fly all around the country, gallivant around the country, and lose a bunch of money running for an office you're never going to win. It's the same thing with starting a professional sports league. There, like there has to be something to it. Um, the reason he's doing it, and there's there's two. I don't know if you guys have heard this. There's two, uh, theory, two, two schools of thought. Right. So you guys tell me which one do you think is more plausible, more likely to be true. The first is um, McMahon's home city. I believe is Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, uh, the Carolina Panthers are for sale, and so what he's doing is he's is going to use it to kind of blackmail or threaten the NFL. Hey man, either sell me the Panthers or I'm going to start a new league. That's going to eat at your profits. 
That's one thought. The other thought is this. Uh, are you aware there's a WWE TV network? Ramos, you, are you aware of that music? Are you aware of this? Do I'm aware know? of it, but I don't care. Right. I, I, don't, I don't either. Music, you're not going to get super offended if I tell people that it's not a sport because it's not real. Right, that they're just actors. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Oh, let me guess. Santa's not real. <laughs> hey, man. Easy, easy. So, um, but the point is that he had. They have a TV network that they have been trying to have somebody buy. And the problem with a TV network is you need volume. You need volume programming, right? Like you just need volume, and the the most valuable thing in uh in programming is live programming it's why like if you look everybody says well a look at the ratings and the nfl is 22 of the top 25 you know rated shows yes it's true because it's not dvrable it's the same reason that the academy awards are always always rate high like you know if you're running a if you're running a um nbc cbs fox or abc like the first thing you want is a bunch of sports. The second thing you want is uh, award shows because award shows, you can't DVR them because once the, the winner is, is announced, there's no real reason to have no real reason to watch the award show, but you have, so you have to watch it live. The, the second theory or maybe hypothesis is look, he knows he's going to lose some money on it, but it's going to help make his, his TV network more viable. Cause now I have a live sporting event, uh, which he could probably sell like the digital rights to, to a Apple, Yahoo, Google, whatever, Facebook. And um, so even if he loses money, maybe he breaks even with other people wanting to sell his product across different platforms. And he makes his TV network more viable. Fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Let's find out what else you might have missed earlier today on Fox Sports Radio by playing this. And now. <laughs> what does the Fox say? All right. Uh, every day on the Doug Gottlieb Show, we play for you a portion of something said earlier, whether it's, you know, following our show, uh, Steve Gorman Sports, JT The Brick, um, on into, you know, Ben Mahler, any of those shows. Into the morning, we had Clay Travis, First Things First, Undisputed, Rich Eisen, Dan Patrick, Colin Cowherd. In this particular case, uh, I think we go it's, it's to the Colin Cowherd show, right? This was on, oh, it was on Undisputed? Okay, Rob Parker said this on his thoughts on the Baseball Hall of Fame inductions. I'm still optimistic that they're going to make it. A lot of people are saying, because the numbers didn't go up a lot. Not much. That, that, but they didn't go down. Right. Remember, Joe Morgan wrote that letter trying to get people to push back on it. He didn't mention Clemens and Bonds, but that's what that letter was all about. Correct. So their numbers didn't go down. They increased slightly. I believe before their 10 years are up, they will get there, that writers will understand. You can't tell baseball's story without those two guys. I'm talking about Clemens and Bonds. People are bothered by it, but we already have guys who were linked to steroids in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Bagwell got in. Yeah. Piazza's in. Uh, Pudge Rodriguez got in. He was in the Conseco book. He was in Texas with all those guys who they talked mm -hmm. about. Conseco said that he used to inject Pudge. Mm -hmm. And somehow, some way, Pudge got in and people just kind of looked the, the other way. way. As crazy as Canseco gets, 
you can't discredit. No. Like he's always been right. Yeah. He's been yeah. right. That mm-hmm. book was right. It wasn't like crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so all I'm saying is uh, those guys um, somehow have gotten in, and yet they're still holding out two of the greatest players who ever played. I, I, I would agree you can't tell the story of baseball without those guys, but you can't tell their story without putting in that they were steroid guys. Ben Johnson set the world record for the 100-meter dash. Is he in the record books? No. Why? Because he was using steroids at the time. Like, I don't understand how somehow we're supposed to be okay with this. I agree. Pudge Rodriguez being in is a bad look for people saying they're anti-steroids. But as, as big a name as Pudge Rodriguez was in the sport, the fact is that Barry Bonds and Roger, and Roger Clemens were the face of the sport, right? And because of the records that they set, especially late in their career, they clearly decided that their stats, their, the, the, their ability to extend and excel uh, their career was more important than, uh, than the legitimacy of what they were doing. So I, I have always been an anti-steroid guy. I agree you can't tell the stero- story of baseball without, telling, without mentioning Barry Bonds, without mentioning Roger Clemens, but you can't tell their story without admitting that the second half of their careers, um, we have no idea how long they would have been in the league, how effective they would have been in, because you, what you took was you took aging great players, you injected them with the best stuff money could buy, and yeah, it works, but it forever changed how we look at every other player's numbers. It ruined baseball's historic database. That's what it did. Because now we can't, like, you can't mention somebody's pitching greatness without measuring it against Clemens. But we know that Clemens' numbers were artificially inflated with the help of performance-enhancing drugs. And the same exact thing with, with, with Barry Bonds. Like, yeah, Barry, but what would Barry, we have no idea, we have no idea what Barry Bonds, this was, in my opinion, why Mark McGuire was crying when he admitted to the fact that he was really using steroids. Because Mark McGuire thinks he was still one of the all-time great home run hitters. He had 49 as a rookie. He thinks, man, I, I did that on my own. I would have done it on my own had I not used this stuff. But he doesn't know. And neither should we. That's what the Fox said. What does the Fox say? I'm a never guy. You know, I'm a never guy. And, and I think also they, they won't get in not just because of what they did and how they changed how we look at the record book, but for the same reason that Pete Rose will never be welcome back in the sport of baseball. There has not been a moment to which Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens, hat in hand, were contrite. You know what? Sorry about what I did. Shouldn't have done it. Deceived a lot of people. My bad. Was a bad look. Wouldn't Even if it's, it's a lie when they say I wouldn't do it again if I could go back and do it all over with, the fact that they haven't even said it, they're still in denial of really every part of this story. You know, even from the defense, Barry Bonds, I never knowingly used steroids. Hey, you did. Stop it. Kirk Radomski didn't just come up with the story about Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens didn't go from fat, out of shape, couldn't stay on the Boston Red Sox roster, the best pitcher in baseball in Toronto without some help. It just doesn't happen that way. But if you, if, you, if you think for a second that this whole narrative, it wasn't wrong, they weren't testing for it, they were testing for it, there was no punishment for that testing. If it wasn't wrong, how come none of them have ever said, you know what, 
I did it, and it wasn't wrong. Because they know it was. They cheated the sport. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Let's welcome in Brian Billick, who joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coach, is it is it too simplified a way to look at these two teams and say, hey, the old adage is defense wins championships for a reason. Eagles have a far better defense, and we may fall in love with the Patriots story, but the Eagles are the team you should expect to to win the uh, win the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, it's too, it's never a mistake to bet on defense, but it's always a mistake to bet against Tom Brady. Yeah. So you've got a bit of a conundrum here. You know, what, yeah, obviously good defense, it helps, but typically teams that have gone to the Super Bowl may be playing good defense, but they got a pretty good quarterback play as well. You know, the, 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 the Super Bowls that we won, the one after with New England when they had a young Tom Brady, the one after that in Tampa Bay, those were really, really good defenses. But we were also at a time where there was a void of great quarterback play. The Aikmans, the Youngs, the Montanas, the, the, the Marinos were transitioning out of the game. We really hadn't come into the Eli Man or the, the Mannings, uh, the Breezes, even the Bradys that we have now or, you know, had transitioned through with the good young quarterbacks that we have now. So, um, yeah, this, this, this is, this is going to be a good study right here. Uh, notwithstanding the fact that Nick Foles is a pretty decent quarterback. So it's not like it's the Stark. It's a team that has no quarterback playing a team that has a future hall favoring Tom Brady against a really good defense in, in Philadelphia. And that's the challenge for them. Philadelphia is certainly capable of beating the New England Patriots. They've got the defense. They can run the ball. They've shown they can be explosive. They're really good on special teams. The problem is if you're going to beat Tom Brady, all four of those have got to be at their peak best. Uh, all right, so what happened with Nick Foles? I mean, there were times in which he looked utterly confused, and uh, even you go to the kind of the first half of the first playoff game, he didn't look sharp, didn't look confident. And then I know they changed some things and put in some RPOs, uh, to, to in the divisional round, but then the a, in the NFC Championship game, I mean, look, he had a ton of confidence back there, holding on the ball a little bit longer, throwing under duress, and throwing the ball deep down the field. As a guy who's worked with some of the best quarterbacks and was the architect of one of the best offenses I've ever seen in Minnesota, what what did you see that's changed in the Eagles' offense that's allowed Foles uh, to become kind of explosive quarterback? Well, I think what you just outlined, the fact that they, they kind of got used to one another. you got to give Doug Peterson and his staff a lot of credit for truly, and that's hard to do at this late stage in the season, kind of crafted an offensive game plan around him different than Carson Wentz. You know, Carson Wentz was brilliant at extending the plays and a Roethlisberger-esque style, shrugging off tackles, getting outside, throwing the ball, um, where that's not Nick Foles. Uh, but they've morphed themselves into more of the running style, the RPOs, to match up with what a Nick Foles does. Remember, this is a guy, as has been noted, has had 27 touchdowns in a year, throwing a quarterback over an entire season. So obviously more of the Chip Kelly style of play, all but within the confines of obviously Doug Peterson and the West Coast, Andy Reid, his roots going back, they've kind of melded those together, that seemed to fit um, Nick Foles. And, and, and the fact that you know it took a little while to get into that rhythm, we certainly saw it against, and let's remember, he did it against the Minnesota Viking defense that is maybe the best defense in the league this year, uh, all but with some of the injuries they had in the back end. So that was impressive, and, and I imagine uh, they're going to have a great deal of confidence taking that style of play, and Nick Foles has a great deal of confidence going into a really good matchup with the Patriots. 
Um, all right. I, look, we've all thrown superlatives at Tom Brady, but what do you, what do you see uh, that really impressed you? you know, no Gronk. And the last time we saw no Gronk, they looked bad coach against Miami. They, they didn't look bad or nearly as bad against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Down 10, he engineers a couple of touchdown drives. W- what about Brady do you see that other people are missing? Yeah, and let's keep in mind that he lost Gronk within the, within the game. It's one thing to go into a game not knowing, you know, knowing you don't have a Gronkowski and you craft a game plan in a certain way. But to have a game plan fully fomented, you go in and, and early in the, second, in the first half, you lose that guy that's an anchor to your passing attack. That, that's the ultimate test. And, of course, Tom Brady steps up into it. What, what do I see in Tom Brady? I see something I don't know that we'll ever see again. It's, it's, it's as much as there are a number of great quarterbacks and we're fortunate. I think we've talked before, Doug, about how I hope fans are, know how fortunate they are to be in a time. I don't know how, if any other time we've been, been able to watch as many, what I think are surefire Hall of Famers at the same time whether it be Brady, Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Um, you know, we'll see if Eli Manning gets in not long ago. Of course, obviously, just a year removed from Peyton Manning being a part of that group. I don't remember time in the league where we had so many bona fide guys at the same time. But Brady's in a class by himself just by the sheer success. The place he's been for 18 years with the same coach – I don't think I don't think we'll ever see the likes of that again. Um, okay, so help me out with this: the Jacksonville Jaguars. You could stay the course with Blake Bortles. Um, I don't think you're going to draft anybody because they're in win now mode. So your choices, if you go the free agency route, are the Alex Smiths of the world, very good in the regular season, and have had some solid playoff, uh, some play, some solid playoff experience. Uh, but but haven't played in the biggest or played well in the biggest of big games. Or an Eli Manning who has a relationship with Coughlin, but may be too far over the hill. If you're running the Jaguars, A, B, or C, if A is stand put, B is go and get an unproven in the playoffs, but proven in the regular season quarterback that will be available, or C, Eli Manning, what would you do? Wow, that, and, and that really comes down to the evaluation, both of what do they truly think of Blake Bortles, separate of what we think from the outside. My guess is they think and know they're going to need better. Uh, what is your evaluation of the young quarterbacks coming out? You know, we're about to dump into that. Uh, we're going to tear these guys apart. There seem to be a lot of them, but you got to rely on your personnel staff. Okay, how good do we think one of these guys are? Um, and, and, and then how do we get one? Can we? Because obviously where they're picking, they're not up in the front end of it like the, like the, the uh, uh, Browns and the Giants are. So they're going to be more, although there are a number of good quarterbacks that have fallen into that second round. Uh, so that's an option. I think we have an unusually large free agent market of quarterbacks that are probably a step up from where they are, at least proven over a course of time, whether it be a Sam Brad. Remember, Minnesota now has none of those guys under contract, whether it's Bridgewater, whether it's Case Keenum, whether it's uh, Bradford, uh, Eli Manning, and, and boy, does that Jacksonville Jaguar team, does that not look like a Tom Coughlin, New York Giant team? And if you're really saying, okay, and so we do have this window, and we do still think Eli can play, that might not be a bad choice. And then draft one of these guys in the second and third round that maybe you can develop going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they're, it really comes down to their evaluation and what do they think of the free agency class or of the quarterbacking class that's coming out in this year's draft? It's, fa- it's absolutely fascinating to, to look at. Uh, by the way, if you go to SeatGeek.com, um, you can and enter the code 
the code Billick, B-I-L-L-I-C-K. You get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, that's SeatGeek.com. The code is Billick, B-I-L-L-I-C-K, uh, for 20, 20% off your first SeatGeek. Per- $20 off. I said 20%. $20 off your first. Oh, last thing, Coach, I wanted to ask you about is um, something the Patriots have been working through and are going to have to finish the job in the Super Bowl with. You've been a part of this when you've been a head coach. You were a part of this when you were an offense coordinator in Minnesota and you were, you were interviewing uh, for other jobs or even preparing. Like I remember reading a reading about when you prepared, when you gave the interview and you ultimately got the, the Ravens job, you were the most prepared anyone had ever seen for any team anywhere. They just, you just blew them away. So how did, the Matt Patricias of the world, the Josh McDaniels of the world, how big an issue is that in preparing for a Super Bowl and preparing for your next job? Well, I, I don't think it's an issue at all. The, you know, if New England is nothing, it's not. It, it's the fact that they can stay focused and compartmentalize what they're doing. There's there's nothing they're going to do right now, and I've got to believe both Patricia and and McDaniel have got the pieces in place, have got the the people around them separate of obviously New England that are trying to put the staff together down at the Senior Bowl. They have a very clear-cut idea. They've already had agreements from coaches that are going to work for them. So their singular focus is going to be on the Super Bowl. Bill Belichick is going to be certain of that. Uh, and they'll get the other things done on the periphery that they need to. Um, and so I, I, that, a lot, I can see where people would be concerned about that, and they're going to talk about that. And certainly should the New England Patriots say not particularly play well for no one, you know, no specific reason. Uh, and, and indeed the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles win the game. You got to know that's what people are going to point to, whether it's real or not, they're going to bring that up. So, uh, but I don't think so. I think you're able to compartmentalize and these, they've been through this so many times in the Super Bowl uh, that they know what that routine is. That would be the only thing that I'd be concerned about is that you get to the point where it's, oh, we've been, we've done this so many times. We know how this works. Yeah, do this. And then they do let their attention go to some of the other things they need to address as they move on to these new jobs. Again, SeatGeek.com. The promo code is Billick. You get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Coach, uh, we look forward to uh, bumping, it, bumping India at the Super Bowl in the Twin Cities. Thanks so much for being part of our show on Fox Sports Radio. Sounds great. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Traveling for college hoops this winter? Pro tip, stay at a graduate hotel. They're obsessed with college basketball, just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni. Nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns. And get this, you can save up to 30% with the code DOUG. That's my name, D-O-U-G. Good at any graduate hotel, any location, up to 30% off. Book your basketball stays at graduatehotels.com. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. 
Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you.